Stone Cold Steve Austin knows that the opinions of your podcast exist in this world. Bye, sex act, crazy bike. No, bro, I can't drop out of the scene for 14 months and show up as a co-host. I'm a donkey show right in the middle of that. They always say to review IPAs last. The bitterness can destroy your palate for other beers. And opinions, opinions, and beer. Two guys and another guy will never happen again. Hello and welcome to Opinions and Beer. I'm your host, Adam. Today I've got Ed Ray 1416. What's up, mofos? Welcome to another 12 pod of Christmas. Today's episode is going to be one of our last Christmassy episodes. Uh, I know, maybe we have one more. I have like a choose your own adventure thing coming with uh, with King Violent. I don't know if that's going to be posted before or after. Maybe before. This may be the last the last Christmassy episode of the 12 Pods of Christmas. The next one would be Life Advice. We have Life Advice coming up this week. We've got, uh, I believe, a Choose Your Own Adventure episode. Uh, with that being said, uh, I wanted to save this particular beer for a Christmassy episode because we're doing... I, I specifically saved the eclipses for one year... To have on the 12th pod to Christmas. So here we are, people. The final eclipse that I aged for one year. It is the Eclipse Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout with coconut, vanilla, and cocoa. That's right. German Chocolate Cake Eclipse. Imperial Stout with coconut, blah, blah, blah. What I just said. This is 12% in alcohol by volume. Um, now I did save these for a year. I, I, I saved these beers to have on the 12 pods of Christmas for one year. Uh, now, uh, in what, in seemingly, maybe I shouldn't have, I did it because of the price they, of how much they cost me. I'm like, I need to save these for specialty episodes, but the taste so far has not been, uh, uh, one of much enjoyment. Um, I think ranking-wise so far, we have the Basil Hayden as number one, then we have the Vietnamese coffee as number two, and then Salted Caramel as number three. And so, with that being said, it may be apparent that the flavored eclipses aren't as good as they sound. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll put this to the test, because this one is obviously the most flavorful description, has the most flavorful flavorful description uh, of the Eclipse bottles that I've bought. And, okay, that's the beer of the day. I'm going to go ahead and, before we even get started, because we're going to be talking about, we have like 50 things to talk about, uh, a list of 50, and we're going to react and, and comment on some of these, the top toys of the last 50 years. Uh, for Christmas time, it's Christmas toys. So the top Christmas toys, Christmas gifts of the last 50 years, what we're about to to speak on, I love talking with Ed Ray about his, history type stuff, historical remembrance. That's what we're going to be doing. Uh, so here we go, the beer of the day. And here I pour. And Ed Ray will be tasting this one with us. He'll be drinking, he'll have a glass. Now, the goal of Ed Ray today is to drink the entire sample glass before the episode is over. Whew. 
Probably smells like bourbon. Okay, let me set this one to the side for Lauren. Okay. First off, we're going to smell this beer. What's it smell like to you? Straight bourbon? It smells like donuts. Donuts? That's a very... You know... Uh, yeah, like a very bready bourbon. You're right. <laughs> very bready bourbon. So, here are the flavors... That we need to try to pick out, Ed Ray, even if it's disgusting. You're gonna be you're probably gonna pick out bourbon first. <laughs> That's usually what happens. But in the back there, as you're sipping on it, as you're drying it, you gotta try to taste cocoa, vanilla, and coconut. Cocoa, vanilla, coconut. Okay. Here we go. You go first. Well, it obviously tastes like cocoa, and I can I can detect a hint of vanilla, but I don't even think I detect the taste of coconut. You do not taste any coconut in this. No. Nah. But it is smooth. It is smooth. Is a lot smoother than the last one? Hell yeah. It is. It, you know what? It is smoother than the last one. Might be all these flavors in there mixing with the bourbon, calming, calming the alcohol down. Well, in fact, I have a hard time detecting the taste of bourbon. Oh, really? It almost don't taste like alcohol at all. To you? Yeah. You taste mainly cocoa and vanilla? Yeah, man, you may you may have developed into an alcoholic, Ed Ray. Right. That's what that means. If you can't, if you can't taste the alcohol, you're an alcoholic. Right. <laughs> what is that right stuff? Well, it's obviously your opinion, and it's fine. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It ain't over. It ain't over yet. Uh, it is far from over. I may wait to rate this one till the end. I'm going to let it warm up in my glass and see if the flavors come out a little bit more for me. Um, I will say it may be... For me, it may be the second most enjoyable. If not, if not the most enjoyable. I'm, I'm glad I saved this for last. But uh, it may be tied right there with the Basil Hayden Barrel uh, Stout. And it may get the edge. If I'm going to let it warm up a little bit in my glass. may get the edge. I'm detecting... I detect the cocoa. It's like hot. It's like cold cocoa. Like hot cocoa. Iced. Iced hot cocoa. And... Um, some vanilla there, but you're right. I'm not really getting the coconut. I've tasted better. I've ta I've tasted more coconutty uh, taste in um, in other brews, but maybe it's sitting there in the back. Uh, maybe it has to warm up a little bit for the coconut to uh, to shine through. So let's go ahead and get on with the topic of the day as it's as it's warming up in my glass here. Uh, today we're looking at the basically the top toys of the last fifty years. And I say. And in hindsight, I'm I'm going off of like a little this little thingy. So when I say last 50 years, I mean within a 50 year time time period. Um, let's go ahead and we're gonna start all things off with 1963. I'm sure you already seen the um, what it was, but um, what do you think was the number one toy for Christmas in 1963? Mm, it's a tough one. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that it was the Easy Bake Oven. 
1963, the Easy Bake Oven was the number one Christmas toy. I suppose it was the first of its kind in 63. It was the original, yes. And, of course, back then, girls wanted to learn how to bake. But now, it's pretty much everybody. Yep, it was the original Easy Bake Oven was heated by two 100-watt incandescent light bulbs. Yeah, as opposed to the digital light bulbs that they got now. I mean, incandescent light bulbs were very good for heating up stuff back in the day. Oh, yeah. It, it, okay, now let's move on to 1964. The number one Christmas toy of 1964 was the G.I. Joe. This must be the original G.I. Joe. The young G.I. Joe. Uh, fun fact, action figures already existed in 1964, but the G.I. Joe was a big deal because it had 21 movable parts. So this is the original G.I. Joe. Yes, it was. 21 movable G.I. Joe parts. It's basically, is G.I. Joe like a Barbie? It's like a Barbie for dudes, but <laughs> but, but except G.I. Joe was an inspiration for many kids to go to the military, including the Marine Corps. In 1964, what were they doing? The Vietnam? Vietnam really didn't take off until 1967. So they're so getting ready for Vietnam. They were preparing for Vietnam, and of course they kept a lot of their, soldier, their soldiers in the country to protect the country in the event of race riots, which did happen during that time period. Oh, interesting. Uh, 19, 1965, the number one toy of 1965 was the board game... Board game? It was the game Operation. Now, for those of you that don't know this, Operation is about teaching people the anatomy and the complications of the part of the human anatomy. And this, of course, back in the day, inspired people to be surgeons, whether it's hospital surgeons or army surgeons. Yeah, it's very interesting that uh, they made games back in the day where uh, it was to teach you stuff. Everything, everything was to teach you. Learning. Yeah, whether it was checkers or Operation or Candyland, etc. I mean, what does, what does that, uh, that new game, Throwing the Poop, <laughs> what does that teach you? It teaches you how to be the trashiest mofo <laughs> on the streets of San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I hate San Francisco. Oh, <laughs> um, oh did you know that the, um, the patient's name was Cavity Sam? No. That, that, yeah, that, that's who you're operating on. That's the, that's the man's name. So basically, you're operating on a person who's got bad teeth, huh? <laughs> I guess so. Talk about irony. Yeah, why isn't, it, why isn't it a dentist game? Why they name him Cavity Sam? He's getting, maybe his teeth got so bad they rotted his insides. They have to replace his organs. No, it's body cavity. Uh, oh, it's body cavity. Yeah, that could be it. Oh, some knowledge dropped in by that bird in my ear. <laughs> Would you like to try this? I, I saved the one for you. Is this yours? Yeah, this one's yours. Here. Try this. Try this coconut. Let it heat up a little bit, I guess, if you want it. Oh, no, this was yours. I don't know. Anyways. The next one, 1966. The number one game in 1966. Number one Christmas gift. Twister. Twister, the game that ties you up in knots. 
You, Ed Ray, were you ever a big Twister guy? Hell no, that was the favorite game of every orgy in the world. <laughs> what the hell? No, you said, you're saying eight-year-olds had... This is for ages eight to adults. Yeah, but adults took it out of context and made something out of it that we don't want to discuss. Oh, my God. But it ties you up in knots. Huh? Right foot yellow. If that's the kink of an adult, let it be. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fun fact, Twister was originally named Pretzel. And was criticized in the 60s for being sex in a box by competitors. And that's why I don't like the game. <laughs> You're right. It was criticized for being sex in a box. I'm telling you, it was the premier game for orgies everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. It was originally... Would you... Would you... Would, you think it would have been better named Pretzel? Uh, no. <laughs> Twister. Twister, you're right. Pretzel. It's it's a more controversial game than it is. It's more controversial now than it was back when it was introduced. Yeah, 1966. Good God. 1967, the number one game was Battleship. Number one Christmas gift, Battleship. Now, this was pretty innovative for the time because it allowed people to navigate like they're in the Navy or something. And this... Once again, like G.I. Joe, this inspired people to go to the military, and in the case of the United States Navy, it taught them how to develop their hand-and-eye coordination and combat overseas. Oh, yeah. Fun fact, Battleship had existed as a pencil and paper game since the 30s when Milton Brandley released it as a board game in 1967. So this is originally a pencil and paper game. Which I think was inspirational because it helped uh, sailors in World War II. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have 1968. Did we skip a year? No. no. 1968, the number one hottest Christmas gift. Hot Wheels. Oh, uh, this was the most innovative uh, brand of toys ever made because... I mean, they it, still sell Hot Wheels. Yeah, it inspired, for a good 40 years at least, it inspired a lot of boys to... Learn about cars, learn about how they work, and inspire them to be mechanics. But now we're in a generation where Hot Wheels are not directed to boys anymore. Yeah, I don't think... Do Hot Wheels have, like... Because I, I see that, like, the old Hot Wheels, they all... You could, like, move their stuff and look at the engine and stuff. I don't think a lot of the current Hot Wheels, you can do that. They just, like, they're just random cars, huh? Probably since 1985, yeah, they've the, changed I, it up. I think only... I think only, like, the dollar... The dollar and fifty cents Hot Wheels, you can move their stuff, but like the eighty-nine cent Hot Wheels, they're just random, random cars. I don't know why Mattel would sell Hot Wheels, but we'll find out. <laughs> Fun fact: there were sixteen cars in the original Hot Wheels lineup, and they were all based on actual customized vehicle: the Beatnik Bandit, the D- Dior, D- what, D- whatever, Ford J car, Hot Heat Python, the. S- Silhouette, Custom Barracuda, Custom Camaro, Custom Corvette, Custom Cougar, Custom El Dorado, Custom Firebird, Custom Fleetside, Custom Mustang, Custom Thunderbird, and a Custom Volkswagen. Did you say Volkswagen? You know what? I think I had this one. The red, the, that old car, I think I had that. Oh, these were all in the Hot Wheels game. These were all in the Hot Wheels video game, too. No wonder they're all, they're all in the game. That's the original 16. It makes sense. Yeah, those things are worth a lot of money if you have them. Today, there are more Hot Wheels models than real cars in the world, with an estimated 4 billion toy cars in existence. 
and the rare ones can be worth up to thousands. In 1969, the number one Christmas gift was a chemistry set. Handy Andy Chemistry Lab. What the hell? I've never even heard of this one. Oh, this must have been the inspiration for those that are looking to uh, make it into the world of science, but... Unlike science classes in high school, you could actually learn hands-on from a chemistry lab set on how to make chemicals the proper way because in high school you have to read so many books before they can teach you anything. What the hell are they doing? How is this the number one, number one Christmas gift? How many people are chemistry people because of this damn thing? Could, po- be, could be millions. Oh, uh, what's this? The popularity of chemistry sets is significant because it marks the first time American toys were marketed with the goal of improving children for success later in life. So this was a this was a capitalism trying to make kids more successful in life. Yeah, back when they were actually trying to do it right, but they don't do it right anymore. I believe you. <laughs> oh my inspired to make meth labs now. That's where meth came from. Chemistry lab in the 60s. That's why 70s had disco. No, I don't... No, I think meth was around a lot longer than that. Okay. Uh, In 1970, the number one Christmas gift was the Light Bright. Light Bright. Oh, I remember this one. Whew, the original Light Bright. You don't have to worry about losing all the pegs these days. There's now a Light Bright iPad app. <laughs> that was the, that's the worst thing about that, is that you would lose pegs and you couldn't complete the pictures. Yeah, but if you could somehow keep them, they'd be worth a lot of money. What, original Light Bright? Oh, yeah. That's Because with, with every physical thing that it's going digital now, the physical could end up being worth a lot more in the, near, in the long run. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Um, in 1971, Space Hoppers was the number one Christmas gift. Okay, I've never heard of this one. What the hell is this? It's a, it's a, it's a alien. Oh, they made these in the 90s, but it was just, it was exercise balls. These are exercise balls now. Where, but this is, ba- so basically, okay, if anyone ever seen these exercise balls with the, with like a handle... It's kind of like that. And so what we're looking at right now is basically this alien face. It's this big old ball alien face, like a big ball that you can sit on. And then you grab its ears and you bounce on the space hopper. <laughs> you can bounce. They, they, they've remade this into a single handle and it's uh, used for exercise. Yeah, well, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, space hopper has a face. <laughs> it has a face. Fun fact. Space hoppers was a popular term in the UK, while in the US they were more commonly referred to as hippity hops or hot balls. So they so in the USA we didn't call them by their names, which is kind of <laughs> okay. So this was more like a British stuff right here, British marketing. Br- British marketing was space hopper, but we called them hippity hops or hop balls, hop balls. Uh, 1972, the number one gift was the game. Uno! How crazy is that? Uno, the card game, was the number one Christmas gift. Well, I don't understand Uno. Why? I think it's harder than Domino's. Uno! That's the easiest game. It's it's Crazy 8. Have you ever played Crazy 8? 
What's Crazy 8? It's a card game. Uno is Crazy 8, but different. The only card games I know are Poker and Solitaire. Those are harder than damn Uno. <laughs> yeah, it's color coordinated. You it's color and numbers. It's color and numbers. So you like so how you play Uno is you draw your cards and basically it's crazy eight. So it's like if there's a three, you can lay a three down. But if it's a yellow, you can yellow yellow down. Then they have wild cards and skip cards and reverse. Yeah, my goodness. Fun fact: a barbershop owner thought up Uno and originally sold the game out of his shop. So this Uno was made in a barber shop. Very interesting. 1973. Walkie talkie sets was the number one gift. Yeah, this was pretty innovative because back then, people that carried stuff, uh, it was a transistor radio and mainly people who listened in on the news or other parts of vital information, but walkie-talkie was different because it was a transistor radio which you could actually talk into to another person, whether you were 15 feet away or 25 feet away, some of it could go up to 50 feet away, but now we have walkie-talkie sets that can can pretty much go coast to coast or go all around the world. Hell yeah. You know the first walkie-talkies were developed during World War II. Yeah, and that was a variant of the transistor radio that I was talking about. Walkie-talkies, the one of the starts of the cell phone. There we go. Yeah, it was like a cell phone, but it didn't have any long distance waves that you could pick up that you could now, but yeah. you could get a certain amount of distance probably up to 50 feet back then. 50 feet? How come some some people with walkie-talkies can do miles in these movies? I've seen older because, movies where they go miles. Well, because of the time, it, the technology was a little more advanced. Oh, and okay. I think somehow... They manipulate it as an illusion. Okay. Let's see. 1974. Tonka toy trucks. Tonka toy trucks. One of the dumbest, bulkiest trucks I've ever seen in my life. Was the number one. (laughs) Yeah, it made Hot Wheels look like chariots. Tonka toy. 19. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's a legit metal truck. (laughs) <laughs> it's dangerous if you throw at somebody. Yeah, yeah, imagine the murders that people committed with Tonka toys. <laughs> Fun fact, the name comes from Dakota Seahawks, word Tonka or Tonka, which means great or big. Big trucks. Tonka trucks, 1974. 1975, the number one Christmas gift was a pet rock. 1975, pet rock. Uh, this was obviously created by the greatest scam artist known to fucking man. What the hell is this shit, Ed Ray? W- weren't you born in 1974? 75? I don't know. When were you born? 1986. Oh, so... Oh, I was not alive when that you, came you out. You were negative 11. So when you were negative negative 11 years old, people were buying pet rocks. And... Billions were scammed out of their pocket, huh? <laughs> the pet. The pet rock. Good God. Fun fact. Pet rocks were only wildly popular for about six months. But 1.5 million were sold for $4 each during that time. <laughs> Making creator Gary Dahl a millionaire. F you, Gary Dahl. 
There should be a movie about this. This is this is one of those things where a movie needs to be made about Gary Dahl coming up with a pet rock that's over six months. Six months, the pet rock. Yeah, imagine the millions of people that Gary Dahl gave pancreatic cancer to by scamming them out of their money. I know, right? Oh, you know what's crazy? I wonder what year that uh, Despicable Me 3 comes... Uh, okay, so in, in the new Despicable Me trailer... Um, one of the minions trades this valuable artifact for a pet rock that someone got for the birthday. So I wonder if this takes place in 1970. I wonder if that uh, new Despicable Me takes place in 1975 where the pet rock was popular for six months. It's only one way to know. Yeah. <laughs> 1976, the number one uh, thing, the number one gift for Christmas was the Connect Four. I didn't know Connect Four started in 1976. I thought it was a much older game than that. Oh, really? Uh, well, I'm sure it, it might have been a much older game, but it got popular in 1976. Yeah, so basically you just connect four of your own dots, whether it's vertical, horizontal, or yeah. diagonal, and it's a very tough game. It is. Did you know that Connect Four might seem like a simple game, but there are four... What, what's that number? Four trillion possible game board positions? Jesus Christ. Yeah, 4.5 trillion positions. Yep. <laughs> Ow. So that's, that's why Connect Four is an incredibly tough game. It's a fun game, too. It's very fun. Uh, 1977, Star Wars figurines. Oh, the beginning of Star Wars mania. Star Wars figurines 1977 was the most popular Christmas toy to get. Uh... Fun fact, the demand for Star Wars action figures was incredibly higher on the holidays in 1977. So, Keener created an early bird package, which means kids could send away... Which means kids could send away for the first four action figures and receive them in early 1978. After that, eight more action figures were released. These original figurines retailed at $9.99 and now are worth quite the ton of money. Yeah, Star Wars Mania started in 1977, and before we go on, I'm just going to say it right yeah. now. Star Wars was good when George Lucas oversaw the project, but then when Star Wars got sold to Disney, that was it. Mandalorian's good. You can't take it. You can't take John John Favreau is doing wonders with the Mandalorian. Never seen it. It was a, it's a it's a it's a Mandalorian TV series. Oh, that explains it's why a, I never seen it. It's a tar, Star Wars uh, TV series. On Disney Plus. Ah, that explains why I've never seen it. It's the best thing that Disney era Star Wars has done. Yeah, I wish they did well for seven, eight, and what nine? Yeah, well, this time they have a dip, they have different person, different leadership overseeing this the project. And I'm hoping they're he consulting with George Lucas. He knows what's, he knows what's the, kind of. Um, 1978. What the hell is this, Simon? Oh yeah, this was the predecessor to a game called Bop It. But what happens is uh, you have to play the game and then Simon will say what color you have to hit. They still have Simon? No, they don't. All they have is Bop It's. No, it's, <laughs> it's like a circle and you push the color. Yeah. In the, in the pattern. That oh, Simon. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, have, did you ever own a Simon or a Bop It? I owned a Boppet. You did own a Boppet? 
Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think my parents ever bought us a Bop It. They might have bought us a Simon, though. Well, we'll talk about Bop It if it's on the list. I don't think it will be. <laughs> I think, I mean, maybe, maybe. 1978, Simon. I'm sure we'll get there. Okay. 1979, the Atari VCS was the number one Christmas gift in 1979. Yeah, this was not Atari's first console, but it was a very popular console for the time. It does not compare to the 2600, which is arguably the most popular gaming console before 1983. I don't think we ever talked about this console yet. No, this is a very rare computer console, mind you. This is more along the lines of a computer console game than what you would hook up to your TV and play it. I thought I thought Donkey Kong was Nintendo. Well, back in the day, Nintendo and other corporations would allow ports of their games to be made for other uh, consoles, you know, like ColecoVision, Intellivision, etc. And then I think after the video game crash of 1983, that is when everything changed. That is when mm. everybody decided to implement intellectual properties for their respected gaming companies. Oh, okay. Because I, I, was, I, was, I was wondering, because I'm looking at this, I'm like... I mean, you got Donkey Kong, got Miss Pac-Man, Missile Command, etc. They were all, for pretty much every console up until 1983... Basic computer language? What's that? <laughs> what the hell? Uh, I think it teaches you computer literacy because computer literacy was new at the time. Oh, so over one million Ataris were sold in 1979, and the console was the best-selling gift of the holiday season. Yeah, we just said that. 1980, the number one gift for Christmas was the Rubik's Cube. At the time, Rubik's Cubes was six years old because it started in 1974. Oh, really? But Rubik's Cube eventually caught on, and people with intelligent minds needed a challenge in life, so what did they do? They finally marketed this cube for the intelligent people, and then when they got it, then the stupid people started catching on to it. You, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Damn. This cube was made originally to challenge the intelligent minds, and then when they figured it out, that was when they decided to market it to another group of people. Fun fact, the Rubik's Cube is, re- is widely recognized as the world's top-selling puzzle game and toy. As of 2009, over 350 million have been sold worldwide. Since 1974, of course. Is this so crazy that some of the most basic of ideas are the... I mean, if you look at the concept of this, it's kind of basic, but I mean, it's a huge selling. Well, part of the, part of the deal with marketing stuff is... Not everything new is going to be immediately marketable. Sometimes you got to give it time, and yeah. you got to test it out with other people. And then when they catch on to it, they're going to talk about it. And basically, word of mouth increases the odds of marketing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, next up, 1981. The Lego Train. The Lego Train was the number one selling Christmas item. 1981. Now, Lego has been around for quite a while, but this was a pretty big deal back in the day because you were dealing with train sets and other sorts of well, stuff. Did it move? Well, that's... I wonder if it moved. Was it battery? Was it like a battery-powered if, train set? If it was a battery-powered train set, then it may have been the reason why Ooh. Lego Train became popular in 1981. Yeah, I mean, if it's a Lego, if you can build your train and it move, if you could build something that moved, yeah. I mean, look, yeah, you can build... Whoa, whoa. Look, it says... First power train. Oh, Lego's first it was, power train. It was introduced in 1966, but it got marketable at that time. But Oh, yeah, but the version that debuted in 1980 had far more bells and whistles. And so by 1981, 
it was the hottest selling Christmas item. Because of bells and whistles, but it was already a power train in 1966. I wonder what the I wonder what the bells and whistles were. Probably going to have to add on to it, and it probably made noise. Huh? De- debut. Debuted. Debut. What? What's the ed? Debuted. Fine. It's, it's debuted. Don't, don't silent t me. In 1982, the number one selling gift was the BMX bike. It's just a bike. But it's a BMX. It's just a basic bike. It's just. Do you know what a BMX is? It's a trick, a trickster bike. It's tiny bikes for grown-ups. <laughs> Look, this one is a mongoose BMX. The BMX World Championships were held in 1982. Oh, that's why. So they had the first BMX championship. So basically it was just a biker game. Yeah, so the bikes. The, the, uh, 1983, Cabbage Patch Kids. Were the, were the hottest selling toy in 1983. And this movie was very revolutionary for the time. Why? What was so hot about Cabbage Patch Kids? You have to ask the women of 1983 that. We're going okay, to mix something right here. And uh, y'all, won't, y'all might not be able to hear this. Let's see. 1983 Cabbage, cabbage Patch Kid. Marshall. Alright, here we go. I don't know if you'll be able to hear this, but it's fine. Okay, and that's what that was a 1983 Cabbage Patch Kids commercial by Coleco, the same company that made the video game console ColecoVision. What? Yeah. That's who made that. Coleco made Cabbage Patch Kids. Oh yeah. When when are we gonna get a, a Cabbage Patch Kids video game? I think they did it at some point, but uh, yeah, Cabbage Patch Kids was just a generation of dolls for the generation of girls at the time. Uh, that's. Viral video uh, of Cabbage Patch people. People, fighting over cabbage patch people used to fight over Cabbage Patch Kid dolls. Yeah, a bunch of man children. These dolls, these. <laughs> oh look, they used to be something else. These dolls were originally called the Little People. Now we know why they call it Cabbage the- Patch Kids because. Little people was considered offensive at the time. The name changed in 1982. So literally, they changed the name, and bam, hottest selling toy in the world. Brilliant marketing by Coleco. Too bad they failed at ColecoVision. <laughs> no bleep. <laughs> uh, 1984, the number one hottest selling toy, Transformers. Oh, Transformers. Transformers, 1984, the hottest selling toy. So are they just cycling the same shit over every decade? <laughs> I don't know if it's cycling. What do you mean, cycle What are you saying? You're saying shit's all down because we're seeing it now? No, because we're, that those toys recently all came back. 
What Transformers? They've been around. Light bright. Well, yeah, yeah. We're, we're entering our retro phase. We, we've ran. Out, we've run out of ideas. We're going back to the now, old. Now, as far as Transformers is concerned, yeah, the original Transformers was awesome. The Transformers cartoon was awesome, but I hated Transformers in two thousand seven. The movie. You hate Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, he's a he's a degenerate. Would you have liked it more if um, the original cast was made? Yeah. Who was that? Wish I knew. I'm about to tell you. Guess who was originally supposed to be Shia LaBeouf's character? Who? John Heater. He would have been better. <laughs> instead, they had yeah. that, instead, they had that dirty rat. How? Instead, they had that dirty rat Shia LaBeouf there. What? How awesome would it have been to see Napoleon Dynamite in a Transformers movie? It would have transformed his career. Yeah, it would have. It really would have. Um... Fun fact, Transformers was a Japanese creation made by toy manufacturer Takara. 1985, the Nintendo console was the hottest selling Christmas uh, gift. And justifiably so, because even though I hated how Nintendo became the most popular console in the world at the time, I cannot deny their brilliance. Cannot deny their brilliance. The, popular, the popularity of Nintendo helped make Super Mario Bros. one of the best-selling video games in history. Yeah, and the, smart, and the smart move about Nintendo packaging the NES with Super Mario Bros. gave the people of an escape, an escape that oh, was never seen before. So when you, bought, when you bought Nintendo, you automatically got Super Mario Bros.? Well, let's see. The first few months of Nintendo, when the first few months of Nintendo came out, it was packaged with... A game called Gyromite. Gyromite? Yeah, because the purpose of the Nintendo system back then, when it originally came out, was it was marketed as a robotic gaming system instead of a video game system. So what happened was you bought a Rob the Robot, and you had Gyromite, and you had to have a second... Yeah, you had to have a second controller so the robot could play with you. Wait! Hold the fuck up! You're making me say bad words because I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. And it's blowing Ninten- my mind. Nintendo had Gyromite. Gyro- okay, wait, wait, wait. I need to visually look at the Gyromite to understand what you're saying. Gy- Gyromite. There we are. Gyromite. Okay, it's this weird half... He looks like... He looks like an old-ass Mario. He's like Mario... But old, okay? Yeah, well, here's a... Uh, let's see. Oh. Right here, this is Rob the Robot. This is what you had to get in order to play the Nintendo at the time. You had to have this robot to play Nintendo. Well, basically, but technically with Gyromite, you could play a second controller with yourself, or you could have a friend to play with you. But you had to have two controllers at the time, and if what? you didn't have a friend to play with you, you had the robot assist you in the gameplay. How does he assist you? What does he do? What you do is you command the robot with the first controller, and it'll tell you where the robot's got to go to press the buttons and all that other stuff. It was so complicated. Yeah, it was very complicated. <laughs> it was a very complicated mess, so Nintendo... <laughs> it was a complicated mess, so Nintendo decided, you know what, we're going to throw in Super Mario Brothers instead, and that's how they got the NES Whoa. to sell their consoles that what? year. I need this explained to me. So, okay, to play this game... To play Gyromite, you needed the f- so the first controller told the second controller what to do. 
Yeah, told the robot what to do to play the second what, controller. What if there is no second controller? You basically couldn't play the game. So, how does that make sense? It, it makes no sense. Wouldn't you just be able to press the buttons and it play the game? Or you had to have a second controller connected? You had to have a second controller, and if you didn't have the robot, you'd have to have a friend to help you. So you would tell them what to do? How would you tell your friend what to do? Couldn't, couldn't you... Couldn't you... Well, back in the day, you had an instruction manual that would tell you how to play it. Well, couldn't you plug in two controllers and then you play as the second player? Well, technically you can. One controller on the left hand, the other on the right hand. (laughs) How do you press the A and B button? You press the A and B button with your right hand, and then you just move the directional pad with your left hand. You're fucking with me. I I played Gyromite on my own. Fucking with me. I played Gyromite on my own. How? You don't have no damn robot. Left hand, first controller. Right hand, second controller. There you go. You can play it on your own if you want. Oh my god. And now you know now you know why Nintendo decided to package <laughs> their game. Rob. Now you know why Nintendo de- decided to package the NES with Super Mario Brothers because it was an easier concept. Look, this comes back to one of the previous things though. We had fucking in the eighties there was robots playing video games with you. Where's the robots now? You, you, it's like it looks like Mario, except the purpose of Gyromite is you have to play two controllers, and you have to get these pillars up so the professor could pass through because the professor could not jump. There was no jump button at the time, so you had to climb. You had to get through the pillars and get all the bombs in order to proceed to the next level. So basically, you had to collect all the bombs within a certain time limit. That was how Gyromite was. How much is a rob? Maybe today I'd say $60 due to the rarity, but back then I think it was $40 in 1985. You need to buy a Rob. Why? To, to, to soup it up. You need to paint it red and sell it. <laughs> For $200. Whatever, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up right now. Rob, Rob the Robot. Robot. They made, a, they made an animated series about this. Of this guy for sale. Rob the robot for sale. He whoa! I told you that's a Bam. deluxe set. Okay, one twenty one twenty five for a Rob the robot. That's that's what happens when you have retro gamers reviewing stuff since two thousand seven. Look, wait, wait, wait! Look at here. Walmart's selling a Rob the robot for thirty five dollars. That's an amiibo. Oh, oh, f you, amiibo! <laughs> Make me so mad. Okay, so from what I'm seeing, the average Rob the Robot is averaging yeah. over 150 dollars. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm saying. Buy one, soup it out, sell it for 350. Okay. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, 1986. Laser tag was the number one selling Christmas. Uh, gift, 1986. I don't think I ever had that experience before. Wait, what? I don't think I ever played laser tag. You never played a laser tag game? No, I only played the regular tag. Laser tag, it's like a gun, you wear a vest. Look, this is crazy though, you have a helmet in this one? We've gotten lazy, Ed Ray. We have gotten lazy. Look at the 80s. This shit is dope. Our shit does not look like this. <laughs> what is going and, on? And if you were to find something like this now, it would be worth hundreds of dollars. Yes, it would be. 
This is legit. Look, look, what does it say? Oh, no, it's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. It, this is a lot of money. Look. It doesn't come with everything. This doesn't come with everything. I, I lied. So, tag your it. Uh, let's see. Win laser tag game, you get one starlight designed to hold one star sensor. So, a star sensor is... Seventeen bucks, seventeen ninety nine. The a simple version of the game. So basically, the startup version is forty four ninety nine. So we're already, we're paying forty five bucks already for the game, and then to get this add on, it's uh, eighteen bucks, and then this other add on is twenty bucks, and then you have a helmet with a sensor and LED. Visibility, holy shit, that's awesome. That's forty bucks, <laughs> and then you have a star cap, which is another twenty bucks. So we're still looking at uh, forty-five, uh, eighty, ninety, hundred, hundred twenty, hundred and forty dollars for the complete setup. One back in nineteen eighty-six, so that thing would be worth hundreds, maybe even thousands. Oh yeah, that's an expensive ass fucking gift for the whole setup. Hundred fifty bucks or some shit. Woo! A laser tag used to be crazy. That's why you have to pay five dollars to rent an hour in the good in the good laser tag arenas <laughs> or whatever, uh, or ten minutes. Anyways, nineteen eighty seven, Jenga. Jenga was the number one selling item. Yeah, well, I think Jenga's been around for quite a long time, but I think people got understood the concept and once again, word of mouth got around. And finally, they were able to sell it. Isn't there another version of Jenga? What's it called? Stacker or whatever. Oh, okay. I, I don't know the name. Oh, Jenga. Jenga's overrated. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, to be honest, it's actually boring. <laughs> you think it's boring? Yeah, just stacking stuff up until it tumbles. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> My wife said no. You're wrong, Ed Ray. Yeah, the plot block. It's still boring. <laughs> Over 50 million Jenga games have been sold since the game was distributed for sale in 1985. Okay, so basically it started in 85, but it peaked in 87. Yeah. 1988. Starting lineup was the number one selling gift. Baseball toys with baseball cards. <sighs> baseball toys with baseball collecting cards. Oh, you, it comes with one card. So basically, you buy the toy and you get the card with it. And you know, baseball cards were pretty popular. Well, baseball was pretty popular up until it peaked in 1998 because you know why people yeah. were on steroids. <laughs> and I think they need to legalize steroids. Fun so. fact starting lineup figures were thought up by Pat McInley, who was a former football player for the Cincinnati Bengals. I do believe that baseball needs to go. I think. Steroids need to be legalized so baseball can be entertaining again. <laughs> uh, moving on. 1989, the number one selling Christmas item was the Game Boy. Uh, the most popular handheld gaming uh, thing of all time. <sighs> Game Boy was revolutionary. Yeah, because you got to play video games on the road or in the mountains or elsewhere. In the mountains? Yeah. What if your batteries freeze? Well, then it was your own fault for not protecting it. 
Over 200 million Game Boys were sold from 1989 to 2008 when they were replaced by Nintendo DS. And the DS was also revolutionary, but we'll get to that later. Um, 1990, the number one selling item for Christmas. The number one sold item for Christmas. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 1990. Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles really peaked in the early 90s, you know, with the popularity of their video games, their comic books, and, uh, let's see, did I already mention uh, cartoon? No, you didn't. Uh, Video games, uh, comics, and cartoons, it was bound to happen, you know, toys and movies. Yeah, and it was the number one selling thing in 1990. Fun fact, each, each Ninja Turtle figure came with a storage set a storage shell on his back to hold all the accessories that came with each uh, toy. <coughs> 1991, the... <coughs> oh my god, you're sneezing like a damn madman. 1991, the number one selling item for Christmas was the Super Nintendo. We already talked about the Nintendo, but guess what? The Super Nintendo was also the number one selling Christmas item that year. Yeah, and after that, after that, Nintendo would subsequently lose their status as the king of video games, and it's because they failed to make a deal with Sony. Wait, 1991? Well, basically, before the Super Nintendo came out, they were already in talks of trying to make a disc system, but Nintendo shunned uh, Sony for it, and that's why they didn't convert the Super Wait, Nintendo to discs. Wait one second. This is Super Nintendo. N64 was popular, too, you don't think? Oh, it was very popular, but Super, but Nintendo was already peaking... In the early 90s as the king of video games. Oh, that's what you're trying to tell me. I'm and I'm saying that they're failed. They're failed. Sega's been out. I think Nintendo was beating Sega for a long time. Well, yeah, Nintendo was beating Sega in 1991, but Sega was slowly coming up the charts. Oh, when did they get popular? They started getting popular in the 90s when they had that... Uh, when they filed a complaint against Nintendo for their business practices with the FTC, and that was another reason why Nintendo would subsequently lose their status as the king of video games. Ooh, fun fact, the Super Nintendo sold for $199 when it was first released. Yeah, and people were screaming bloody murder in 1991 about the price. Oh, really? Just think now, it's fucking $500 for a game system. <laughs> and you and you wonder why people are fleeing from console games to buy games on Steam. I guess so. 1992. The number one selling item in 1992, the year I was born. <laughs> the Barbie Dreamhouse, goddammit. <laughs> the Barbie Dreamhouse, 1992. No wonder why this turned boys into nut jobs. <laughs> the number one seller. We had this. No, we had a version of this. We had a a. I think we had some. We we had a version of a Barbie Dreamhouse. It was like a. It might have been a cheaper version, but it had like more stuff. Like it opened up and like had like a living room and crap. We had a Dreamhouse. Fun fact: Barbie also ran for president in 1992. What? Barbie Barbie ran for president. Let, let, let's Google this real quick. Let's let's look at that. Barbie runs. For president. Black Barbie. Oh my god. That's 20. <laughs> 1992. <laughs> I guess they ran again. Barbie. How Barbie changed over the year. 1992. Barbies. I can be the new president. Let's do this. Come on now. 
What is, what is this crap? Uh, I can't find it. Anyways, Barbara ran for president in 1992. That's how popular she was in 1992. <laughs> Imagine her debating George Bush Sr. and Bill Clinton as opposed to H. Ross Perot. I think Barbie would have won. I think Barbie would have won this. <laughs> but, um, uh, anyways, 1993, Talk Boy was the number one selling item. As soon as I can scroll down here and see what the hell Talk Boy is. But it's uh, my damn. There it is. Talk Boy. Oh, oh, it is a recorder. And I think this came out. A little bit after Home Alone 2, so I think Home Alone 2 was the reason why the talk boy ended up catching on to masses. Because you got to alter your voice yeah. when you're recording. What is going on in this thing? What is going on? Oh, I'm skipping around! No! It's, I got to a certain point, it's lagging on me. Alright, Talk Boy 1993. Okay, so basically what happens is you recorded your voice and you've got to alter your voice any way you can just to fool people. Yeah. I'm sorry, I remember something's happening with my damn uh, computer to where the damn... And the Opinions and Beer Network is not going to be pleased about that. Oh, they're not. The damn... Our damn uh, producers are going to be pretty pissed. Top Boy... The Top Boy was the Top Boy was originally conceived as a non-working prop for the 1992 movie Home Alone 2: Lost in New York. It was released the same day as the movie, and that is why it became a very popular uh, recorder because Home Alone 2. Home Alone freaking two, baby! Woo! I love missing Home Alone two. Guess who was in that movie? Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> back, <laughs> yeah, back when he was not political. 1994, the number one selling Christmas item was Power Rangers. Oh, the Power Rangers mania here in America. Wait, well, were you a big Power Rangers fan? Of course I was. You were? Oh, yeah. Who's your favorite ranger? I'd have to say the Red Ranger. Did you know the Power Rangers TV show has actually adapted stock footage from the Japanese TV series? Z right. Ranger. Yeah. So, so and that was why it became a very popular thing because they managed to combine dialogue with action that America had never seen before. Yeah, it was crazy. 1995, the most popular thing in the world in 1995, most popular Christmas gift was Beanie Babies. I've never, I've never had a Beanie Baby. What the hell? Don't you know they sell Beanie Babies for more than the damn Cabbage Patch Kids? Well, I never had one. Yeah, Beanie Babies, they were like basically animals. They were animal toys, mostly. A bunch of different animals, and you collect them, and they're... They were all different. Uh, how come I'm getting close to the end of this list, and the damn thing wants to start messing up on me? Uh, 1996... The number one selling toy for Christmas was the Tickle Me Elmo. Which is kind of surprising. How? That's, that's, I remember that being kind of popular. You think Video Game Mania would have stopped these toys from being marketed, but they got me. Video, video Game Mania? Yeah, with PlayStation 2, well, well, PlLayStation 1, Sega Saturn, Nintendo 64, etc., etc. That was 96? Well, yeah, a lot of things were taking off in 1996. Well, guess what? They, they, they must have sold later because 
Tickle Me Elmo outsold the fucking PlayStation. How do you feel about that? Well, PlayStation was new at the time, I guess. 1997, the number one selling item was the Tamagotchi. Oh, I remember those toys. You had to take care of the animals from the time they were hatched to the time they die. And if they died, you either threw it away or you buried it. Wait, what? Well, I well I've seen people bury their tamagotchis or whatever in the grave. You gonna reset it? Yeah. So wait, what what is a tamagotchi? It's an animal you take care of. No, it's a little bitty. It's a little bitty. It's a little bitty circle that you put on a keychain. Yeah. That was like. No, I know, but what's in it? It was like a little video game character you had to take care of. You had to take. How do you take care of a video game character? This is what I was trying to say. How, how do you feed it? I don't know. That's why I never had those. You go in the game. You go in the game. And you feed it. You feed it. And if you don't feed it, it dies? Yeah. And then you have to throw it away. You don't feed it and you don't play with it and you don't... It, it dies. Oh, Tamagotchi. Did you know over 76 million Tamagotchis were sold worldwide? Since 1997. 1998. Herbie. How'd you know? Are you serious? 1998, the number one selling Christmas item was the Furby. And this was mainly marketed toward girls. <laughs> you knew. You're psychic. I told you, you need to prank call her. She's a damn psychic. No, I was born in the 90s. I remember. 98. Furby was the number one selling Christmas item. Do you remember Furbies? Yeah, they were mainly for girls. The famous FAO Schwartz Bejeweled Furby was released in 1999. And was the most expensive Furby at a hundred thousand dollars. But ninety-eight, so ninety-eight Furby was the number one selling toy. And then uh, in ninety-nine, they they made the rare Furbies. They made they five. Only... They made five Furbies worth a hundred thousand dollars each. Yeah, which means today they'd be worth over a million. Oh yeah, they'd be worth fucking. Cra- There's five of them in existence. They're worth crazy amount of money. Nineteen ninety-nine, the most popular selling. Christmas item was Pokemon cards. 1999 Pokemon cards, number one selling Christmas item. Well, let's go. Yeah, in 1999, Pokemon experienced a huge, uh, a huge resurgence or a huge. Uh, it's hard to say it. Yeah, wasn't uh? Didn't the movie come out in 1999 or the movie? Well, I think the movie came out in 99. But what happened was the Pokemon started gaining. Uh, traction over in Japan as pocket monsters and then when they brought it to America they changed it from pocket monsters to Pokemon uh, fun fact the rarest Pokemon cards are the Pikachu illustrator cards only four exist and one was reportedly up for sale on eBay for a hundred thousand dollars 2000 the number one selling Christmas item was the Razor Scooter and this was before kids got fat and started breaking them Fun fast scooters soared in popularity after Dan Green landed the first backflip ever in 2000. So basically, Dan Green landed a backflip on a scooter. Bam! Hottest selling item for Christmas. 2001, the number one selling item for Christmas was the pogo stick. Now, the pogo stick's been around for quite a long time, but it got, but it had a resurgence of popularity at that time. Fun fact, pogo, pogo sticking is now an extreme sport. The pogo sticks used in X-Pogo can reach up to 10 feet of height. Uh, in 2002, we had the 
the fur real cat. Fur real cat. As soon as I can. Uh, uh, oh my god, what's going on? Yeah. I had one. A fur real. You had a fur real cat? Yeah. What'd you do with it? You could, like, walk it. And... You could walk a fur real cat? Well, there it is, Fur Real Friends. I'm sorry, guys, but this damn site, once you get to the 2000s, once you get to the fucking 90s, it starts slowing down, and you get, I'm trying to go down. Okay. Uh, there were tons of robotic pets in Fur Real line now, including a guinea pig and dinosaur. So, yeah, they had a bunch of fur. It was, a, it was a animatronic animals were the Fur Real, which makes sense for 2003... The number one selling item was the Robo Sapiens. Robo Sapiens, which was an also a, it was basically a um, robot that you controlled with a remote control, like a TV remote. Look, you can see the TV remote. It was a robot, and I guess it moved around and did stuff. I'm sure. You know what? I think these, I think I've seen some of these in movies before. Of like the robots, over 1.5 million Robo Sapiens were sold over this holiday season for 2003. 2004, the Nintendo DS was the number one selling Christmas item. And this was perhaps Nintendo's last claim to fame right here. I think Nintendo I think Nintendo uh, sweep shop for Christmas. I think a lot of people I think when you buy like a Playstation or you buy some of the other stuff, it's like more like whenever it comes out. So like November or you know like the summer maybe. But Nintendo, for some reason Nintendo just feels like a Christmas gift. And so that's why we keep saying Nintendo on the number one selling Christmas gift items. Uh, Nintendo DS being the number one in 2004. Oh, here we go. I lied. 2005. The Xbox 360 was the number one selling Christmas gift. Oh, yeah. Back then, the Xbox 360 was very revolutionary. But it had a host of problems compared to the original Xbox. One of them being that there was not enough ventilation, which meant that the Xbox 360 would uh, <clears throat> burn up. And then you had the Red Ring of Death, which meant there was a malfunction in the system yeah. that had to be recalled and fixed by the company themselves. But over time, the Xbox 360 got better. Did you notice the highest selling console made by an American company? Yeah, because it was made by Microsoft, and Microsoft is an American company. And one year later, guess what was number the, the number one? PlayStation 3 in 2006 was the number one selling and this item. is and this is where Sony became the king of video games officially. Is that it? Is that all this for the list? It ends in 2006. There we go. <laughs> 2000. That's perfect. Uh, PS3 everything after that I guess is video games and and goofy stuff and maybe fart launchers and crap like that. But um what what do you think about this list? What was your most surprising thing on the list? Jenga. Yeah, that was surprising. That because was. it's incredibly boring. <laughs> well, guess what, Ed Ray? That's that's just your opinion. And that's fine. Because all we have here are opinions and Eclipse, German chocolate cake. I'm going to give this a... I, I, it, it didn't get much any better, but I'm, I'm going to give it a little lower than the Basil Hayden at an 8. Uh, 8 out of 10. 8... Out of 10. I think it's a good rating. It was fun talking to you, Ed Ray, about um, Christmas toys last 50 years. Well, 50 years from 2006, so <sighs> you know what I'm saying. And beer. We are a million